I'm joined by Angus Forbes, director of the Global Planet Authority. Thank you so much for joining me, Angus. Daniel, it's great to be here. My pleasure. Awesome. And the way I like to start these conversations is really just to get a bit of background. So the, the question I like to ask is, what problem are you solving? Well, it's the running of the biosphere, if that's not too general. Um, and what does biosphere mean? That's a kind biosphere, of- yeah. I, that's a really good question, Daniel. Um, the bio, obviously, life in Latin sphere, sphere that we all know. So it's the life sphere. And, and for those of us, which very much includes me uh, and who are not experts, it's basically we can think of it as where bacteria exists because that's a sort of a base form of life. And typically that's a little bit below the Mariana Trench. Okay. And all the way up to 50,000 metres. So it's a big space. Into the stratosphere. And Felix Baumgartner, he jumped out of his canister at 35,000 metres. So it's a little bit above that. And, of course, we fly at 10,000 metres. So that life sphere is what we need, to, which sustains life in itself, of course, as we all know. That's what we need to protect and ensure that we don't damage. And so our work is to promote a global authority that's capable of doing that for humanity for the next 1,000 years. Interesting. So I understand now I see why you say biosphere because it's it's all encompassing. You're, you're talking about air, you're talking about land, you're talking about water and not just surface, but going all the way down basically as, as deep as we can go. And it's protecting everything there. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, our ecosystem services scientists, our ecologists, they've pretty much given us a roadmap now hmm. of the boundaries in which we must remain in order to let the biosphere do its work of sustaining life. They've told us how uh, that the oceans must be clean, cold, bioabundant, and that our topsoil must be preserved, that we shouldn't have too many carbon dioxide um, or equivalent molecules within the troposphere, that we shouldn't destroy O3 molecules. So they've given us a very clear set of parameters, mm-hmm. we think, that that task should be given to a planetary authority to oversee uh, and that that would take humanity into global governance for the first time. It wouldn't mean that we get rid of countries. It's just that for the first time, humanity decides that it needs to enter this void. It needs to go into global governance and put in one bespoke authority. So His only job is to deliver that function of utility throughout time. So global governance, that is basically one big government for the entire planet. Yeah, if you, yes, it's, it's currently a void. So we haven't gone there. Right, uh, yeah. The biggest we've gone uh, is by we, country. Correct. So we had a, what was called an era of constitutionalism, that's Sounds very technical, doesn't it? But, but basically between 1776 and the, the Declaration of Independence of the United States of America and 1989, when the wall fell, mm-hmm. in that period of 200 years, we pretty much created 160 new countries. Wow. 
And those acts were the acts of national self-determination. That was, that was what the act was. But we stopped there. So the UN is just a meeting room. The League of Nations was just a meeting room uh, between the two wars. We've, we haven't gone beyond that. Uh, everything else is done at that multilateral or nation-state level. And we feel very firmly that if you have a global asset that must be protected by a global race, mm-hmm. then surely the constitution should also be global. And what we've found since the Stockholm Declaration of 1972, which everybody signed, with its prime, primary line, the natural assets of the earth must be safeguarded. And every nation on God's earth signed that in 1972 is that we, of course, have had further material biophysical degradation. And that really is due to a misfit. As a race, we've gone global. As an economy, we've gone global. As a culture, we've gone global. As a power source, we've gone global. And that cannot be handled from a biophysical manner, in a biophysical manner, cannot be handled by 195 separate nation states. We're just like a water going straight through a colander. It just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, the bias for the asset knows nation, no national boundaries. Right. So as we're now arrived in this new point called the Anthropocene, and the Anthropocene, as you know, is a geological era, right? That is, if we all stopped doing what we're doing now and we left the planet, we would leave a rock trace. Mm-hmm. But the Anthropocene is more than that to you and me. What it means is that we now run a biosphere because we are so strong, i.e. we can affect every one of Mother Nature's systems. It's like cutting down trees and setting up dams. And I mean, is that what you mean by effect? We can do everything, right? We can do absolutely everything. If you said to me, Daniel, you said to me, Angus, we're going to concrete over the Mediterranean. We could probably do that, right? You put a dam between Gibraltar and Morocco. You then take the sand, it has to be the right sand from the Sahara, it can't be the fat sand, it has to be the thin sand. You might nuclear Himalayas for rubble. We've got enough carbon and energy sources to get it there. We could probably, I'm being very facetious now, but we could probably cement over the Mediterranean Sea. That is how strong we are as a race. And we have to recognise that power. And we have to evolve our governance in order, to cons- in order to make sure that we don't use it erroneously. So far, we are. The other question I'd put to you, Daniel, I say, which I, which I do often, is let's, let's, let me give you this scenario. I'm going to give you the biosphere to protect for the next 1,000 years. What are you going to do? Well, you'll say, well, you know, I'm human, so I've probably got 40, 50 years left on the planet. So what am I going to do for the other 950 years when I'm not here? Well, I'm going to put in a group of specialists who have global powers to make sure there's enough rainforest, no plastic in the oceans, enough topsoil, minimal mining on the seabed floors, uh, a tenfold increase in whales and large fish, 
280 parts per million of CO2, 290 Dobson units of O3. The thing is going to be intact using specialists at the global level for the next 950 years after my death. I don't think you could ever imagine if I gave you that mandate, you would ever imagine thinking to yourself, I know what I'll do. I'll give this to 195 part-time, under-resourced, non-specialist, hegemonic, fractious, human-facing amateurs. You would never do that in a million years. Mm. And that isn't in any way to criticize the nation state or our forebears for when they set up the nation state. It's just that when we set up our nations, Chile in 1810, Canada in 1867, Singapore in 1965, they were never set up with the thought that we had to protect and enhance a biosphere. And so therefore we have to go past and we have to evolve. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying is that it's time, well, you said the word evolve, so it's time to take it to the next level, really, and and and, and move, I suppose, up. Um, it really is taking it to the next level. So, I mean, what, what kind of, um, uh, you've sort of already described the part about having a bunch of specialists and, and experts who yeah. can put things in place. And what, what exactly would these, um, uh, what would, exactly these specialists do? Or, I mean, what kind of changes would the, the GPA or the Global Planet Authority, what, what would they do exactly? I mean, how, where do well, they start? I think, well, the, the beauty for you and me, uh, the man and woman on the street, is that we're outsourcing the problem. We're going to allocate our personal sovereignty in order to create this authority and give them the task uh, to deliver us this function of utility, this healthy biosphere. Obviously, their power will be limited and it will be sufficient to do its job, but no more. And that's where the constitution of the GPA is so important, just like the constitution in the United States or the constitution of Germany or the constitution of New Zealand is so important. So what would it do? Well, we've got a lot of clues. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> I'm not advocating because I'm outsourcing it to the biophysical board of the GPA, which I think will be 21 members, three from each of the seven geopolitical zones, which are, is now our blueprint of our multipolar world, East Asia, West Asia, um, South Asia, um, Africa, Europe, North and South America. Mm -hmm. Those are our seven geopolitical zones now, and they would form the blueprint. So what would our biophysical board do? Well, you've got to imagine that they would immediately slap on a global carbon tax. They've got to take, you know, if the GPA existed 25 years ago and we were at 380 parts per million, you would have thought that they would have started global carbon taxes back then, right? But so you've got to think that they would do that. Um, they would then compensate because they need to make sure that um, uh, there's stability in the world. So there may well be some compensation towards the petro states, Saudi Arabia and people like that, who are going to suffer by that internalization of that externality. They would certainly set up an ozone monitoring, set uh, global ozone monitoring centre for the world with automatic shutdown. So what I mean there is at the moment, some of our PVC factories are 
are releasing dichloroethane and dichloromethane, uh, which is destroying ozone again. And also where we put landfill of fridges and air conditioning units is beginning to seep the CFCs back out. So that's beginning to destroy ozone again. So we need, they need to clean that up. In the oceans, <clears throat> they immediately take the high seas under their protectorate, including the Arctic and Antarctic. There'd be no sovereign claim over either of those at all. And they would have complete rights into the 200 nautical mile limit of a nation state. So they would set up mobile marine reserves which track the whales as they migrate up the east coast of Africa and east coast of Australia to spawn, for example. Uh, they would ban all, all deep sea trawling. They would take uh, control of all deep sea mining and restrict them. They would take the rainforest of the world and put it under global protection. Now, for example, the GDP of the Amazonian facing nations, Brazil, Venezuela, Peru, etc., is currently three and a half trillion dollars out of the world's 90 trillion of GDP. It would probably pay them 500 billion a year for 10 years in order to take global protection of the rainforest and get people out. Who, who is going to, I mean, this is, I'm sure the list goes on and on and on. There's so many things. Yeah, no, 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 that's okay. I'm just saying like, it's a, there's just so many considerations for this. So I, I suppose the question is who will allow all of this? It sounds like, you know, taking, especially, I mean, you mentioned the high seas uh, and, and removing sovereignty from all, from countries. meaning that no one owns that no country owns those locations anymore. Who, who will allow that to happen? You and me. Normal people. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> this, is the, this is the key element of what we are proposing. Um, when you create a province through the act of provincial self-determination, or you create a country through the act of national self-determination, it's a very funny thing, something I've just learned about. What happens is that the people... Imagine you're holding a piece of paper and that is your personal sovereignty. You rip off a little bit and you allocate it. And what you're saying is I give you the right to form an authority to have power over me, to deliver a particular function of utility. You can regulate my actions, you can tax me, but you must deliver mm -hmm. what I'm asking you to do. And that's what you do. So let's take, let's go, you're, you're a Californian-American. So let's go back to 1776. There are 13 colonies with 4 million residents. And there were 150,000 British effectively governing and enforcing the British system. So the ratio was 26 to 1. So the 13 colonies and the 4 million were going, well, this is okay. We sort of hung around for 160 years. You know, you know that'd be okay. But over time, you realise that you were getting taxed more and more. And, of course, the famous cry, 
we have taxation without representation. And the, the swelling of thought, why did we leave the old world to come to the new world, to practice our own religions, our value set, to determine our own destiny, and yet we're still being ruled by the old world. And at 26 to 1, that's what George Washington knew he had behind him and Thomas um, Paine when he wrote, um, you know, Common Sense. They knew the odds that the power resided with the people at 26 to 1. So where do we stand now? Well, this is the most exciting thing. So in 2022, just two years' time, five billion of us will be online. Five billion of us will be connected global citizens. So the question is then, how many people do we have governing and enforcing the 195 nations that our four bears created? And have been pretty, you know, good servants of us all for the last 100 or 200 years. Well, the answer is only 50 million. 50 million to 5 billion. And we're 5 billion. So our ratio is 100 to 1. And at the end of the First World War, we had no connectivity. We either, I'm sorry to say, we either recently did and we were scattered. And at the end of the Second World War, exactly the same. We either recently did or we were scattered. Only one in five Americans had a telephone in 1945 and you were the richest nation on on the earth. Mm. Right? So there was no connectivity. But now that we've arrived in the Anthropocene, five billioners of us are alive and connected. And there's only 50 million people running on 195 states because we're in a very efficient race. You know, we, we give power, uh, you know, and get on with our lives. Yeah. So the 100 to 1 is so exciting. And in 1917 in Russia, it was 100 to 1. And in 1790 in France, it was 100 to 1. In 1994 in South Africa, it was 50 to 1, assuming that of the 3.5 million white South Africans, only 1 million were actively pro-apartheid, but it's 50 to 1. And in 1947 in British Raj, India, it was 300 to 1. So we, as a global citizenship, have just arrived absolutely in the medium of history's range for self-determination. And I believe absolutely passionately that if Mandela, Gandhi, Sun Yat-sen, Washington, Pankhurst were alive today, they'd say, you've got to go. You've got to get an operational answer for your time. So what you're saying is basically um, it's almost like, I mean, in all of these areas that, that you talked about throughout time, yeah. people were connect they were close enough physically because well that's how you create a country is it's in many ways it is proximity based okay. uh, so they were close enough that ideas could spread quickly which is why it worked now what you're saying is because of the internet we don't actually need that level of proximity because we can communicate probably even faster uh you know connected online <laughs> than we could ever um, and it, it's can be done globally instantaneously so we can rise up as humanity yeah. and demand of well that, that's the question so who do we demand and that's we, beauty that who, is the beauty is that we demanded of no one except ourselves 
We say we're going to allocate our, our personal sovereignty, let's say 3 billion of us. Well, as you know, the most populous nation state is China, 1.38 billion, India, 1.32 billion. The largest national election in the world is 800 million voters in India. And in equal second place is Indonesia and the United States at 150 million people voting. So if 3 billion of us decide to move together, there's nothing on God's earth that can stop us because we are just simply, we are the system. And I don't want to bring up coronavirus. Um, it is very topical often, right now. Yeah. <laughs> it is of its time. Is it not interesting? It's very interesting in, in my mind. Now, I appreciate that the response is, of course, nation-state-led because that is our most efficient um, organizational structure at the moment. But is it not interesting to see the effect of essentially a strike by the mass. We've been told to spread out and reduce our workload. That's the response. But imagine if 3 billion people said we're going on strike, complete strike, and not paying our taxes. There's no system. Mm -hmm. the, the, the sand underneath the, uh, underneath the structure of the nation state just pours away. And, and we go and we go past and we'll form the biophysical board, the executive board and the, and, the, and the operating executive of the GPA and it will be created just by the power that we hold. And, and if you're a nation, I think personally that about three quarters of the nation states will go, oh, thank goodness for that. You know, there's I was, I was, no way we we're able to control the biosphere, you know, and at least that one's outsourced and I can yeah. get on and do my other stuff, right? But if a country wants to uh, oppose it, it's, a, you know, very, very interesting. Let's take Germany. So Germany has 60 million citizens and proportional representation. So let's say 40 million vote and it's proportional representation. So the CDU, let's say, wins 10% of the votes or 15% of the, let's say 15% of the 40 million votes, that's 6 million people. Well, if 32 million Germans have said they want a GPA, how do you counter that? You just can't counter. Our numbers are too strong and we will just go past and into that void and we'll have the leadership, the constitution, and they will go and they will be. And then if, if they say, right, we're going to put a global protection over the Amazon and we're going to pay $500 billion a year in order to compensate and Brazil says no, I'm sorry, I don't like that. Well, you've got to remember that half of the Brazilians have probably voted the GPA into place. And secondly, we'll just go on strike again, which means that the whole global system will just shut down again. And we'll just keep doing it until the authority is recognised by all for the foreseeable future in I order think, to do its job. Yeah, I think that's the part that, in my mind, was missing because when, when I heard you speak... Um, uh, about a month ago that that's kind of the part that was missing in my mind is this idea of um, basically how do you enforce that but I guess what you're saying is it doesn't really require enforcement as such you don't actually need some sort of military or police force or anything to do that because the idea is that you have enough people okay. who all agree on the same ideas and with social media and with the internet <laughs> the information will move so quickly that you'll be able to say, you know, like you said, one country doesn't want to participate with what the GPA stands for. So, you know, 
200 million people just stop working and three billion or three billion. Yeah, I think it'll everyone... be, be three billion. I think it'll be two, three billion that, that bring this across the line. And we have 21 million soldiers in the world. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? They're going to shoot us all. Yeah, and there's <laughs> right. a, a it's not going to happen. Aren't, there aren't it's enough the, handcuffs. <laughs> there's not enough handcuffs, <laughs> and we don't have to go out in the streets because we're not we're not saying. British government, French government, American government, Chilean government, Korean government, you're wrong. We're not saying that. We're not criticizing anyone. We're just saying there's a misfit. Global asset, global race requires a global protection. Yeah. It's constitutional line of fit. And we're going to make sure that that occurs. It seems, um, I mean, it seems relatively simple once you start breaking it down. I imagine uh, in practice, there's a lot more to it. It's not quite as easy as it sounds. There's a lot of pieces to put in place. Well, <clears throat> I, think, I think for you and me in the street, it's, it is very simple. Um, you know, we have to visualize humanity entering global governance. We have to believe it's the right act for the future generations to come. Um, and we have to recognise that on, on the day of the vote, on the day of the allocation of personal sovereignty, that it will be extremely easy. It'll be on your phone. You'll have a, a retina uh, and a fingerprint and maybe a voice, a biometric, a validation ID, and you'll allocate your personal sovereignty and you'll be doing it en masse uh, with with you know a couple of billion others and it will be that simple now <clears throat> the in order for us to take that step just prior to that the executive board of seven the biophysical board of 21 the operating executive with the seven centers and the seven geopolitical zones mm -hmm. the, the writing of the constitution constitution will all occur in the 11th hour just before we take the step and it has to be acceptable to us as a, as, a, as, a, as a huge um, population, that that is sufficient. We're happy with what's been written there. Um, and then we'll simply allocate our personal sovereignty. Then once we're through the other side, of course, the GPA has an extraordinary amount of work to do. It has to build an international taxation system, uh, which will be transaction-based. Um, you know, it has to allocate monies. Um, it has to set up uh, satellite systems and monitoring. Um, you know, it has to plant trees in the right way at the right time on the right soil so that darkening doesn't occur, which, of course, will increase global warming in the first instance. You can't just pl plant a trillion trees or two trillion trees like that. You will actually warm the planet. Hmm. Uh, you know, there, there's so much work, but what, what we're doing is we're releasing proportionate power. We're giving specialists the mandate to do it, and that will be their job 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks of the year, 10 years in the decade, 100 years in the century, and 1,000 years in the millennium. That is their only job. Whatever state humanity is in, we could be using capitalism as our operating system. We could be using barter as our operating system. We could be living to 200 years of age and planting AI in our heads. We could be doing regular mining trips intergalactically. Whatever state humanity is in, the GPA will be sitting separate, saying our job is to protect the biosphere of planet Earth 
to ensure that it sustains life. And that's why we've got to go, because that is the movement into the Anthropocene. That is the vision that we now have. We know that Ceteris Paribus, as a race, we will be running and affecting a biosphere for the known future. So we have to respond to that in constitutional form. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I, I have so many more questions. I mean, w- one of them, I suppose, is um, how do you pick? I mean, I, I think you said there were 23 members, people? 21. In the, 20, uh, 21 is what I've written down in, in my draft constitution. Yeah, 21 in the... In the so uh, who, who yeah. picks those individuals? I mean, 21 people to run a planet. It's, uh, um, you know, that seems like when I tear my little piece of paper off, I'm putting a lot of trust in one person. And that's a huge responsibility. How do we pick this? I mean, one. I, 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 yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, as I said, I, I think the blueprint of the seven geopolitical zones is going to be the blueprint for, for the organization. Mm-hmm. And I think three will come from each. And they'll be, and then our, our leadership you know, who, who, who write the constitution of, of the GPA, uh, will put in best practice. And you've got to imagine there'll be an element of the papacy in peer selection. There'll probably be elements of the US Supreme Court uh, and other Australian Supreme Court in the selection processes, ultra-long tenureship. You've got to think that there'll probably be 11 women and 10 men with one member of the sex changing every 25 years, so 11, 10, 10, 11, 11, 10. Uh, you're going to have a balance of, of hydro specialists, uh, water specialists, soil specialists, uh, you know, etc. Of course, underneath them, they'll have a huge army of specialists and everything that will come through up into, uh, into that 21 to lay down the biophysical laws uh, let's take, I want to take another one, which of course is the rivers. As you know, we've gone from 2,000 to 12,000 large dams post-war. Uh, we've gone from 30% of river water diverted to 60% of river water diverted. Wow. So let's say that the GPA, we put the GPA in power and it says the Nile must flow uninterrupted from source to mouth for the next 1,000 years. It's not a bad thing. It, it flowed for the last 11,000, so, you know, why, why not one more? So <clears throat> the GERD, Great Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, has just been completed now on the Blue Nile. And the, the name, Great Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, there's, there's a clue in the name, I don't touch this dam or we'll kill you. Mm. And the reason for that, of course, is is is... The sad fact that energy uh, security in Ethiopia is only 41% of the population. And then we have the Aswan Dam in Egypt, where energy security is 100% of the Egyptian population. So, it's, so those two dams will need to be removed. And then we'll have to make sure as compensation that Ethiopia gets to 100% energy security. Uh, as compensation for that removal um, and, you know, and a payment as well and things like that. So those are the, you know, thrilling and exciting um, repair jobs and, and um, jobs of progress that the GPA will be able to enact because we give it power 
Yeah. We give it power to do that. So it's the idea that basically we as people are saying, we want you to do this. We're like you were saying, we're outsourcing this thinking yeah. to other people who actually know what they're talking about. Right. And um, I guess the, the other question that I have, uh, which I'm, I'm really curious to know about is what is your role? in all of this you mentioned that you've um that you've started to write your own draft constitution so i mean w- would you be one of the 21 or would you be you know where, where do you fit into the picture <laughs> you're so kind to ask <coughs> to even allude to that uh no we, we we have one only one job at the gpa at the week you know we call ourselves the, the gpa the global planet authority because we wanted you know, like the, the, the famous Heinz baked beans, we wanted the name to be on the tin already. No, we're, our only job is to propagate the idea. That's our only job. Um, we, we have to spread this idea as effectively and as quickly to all corners of the, of the world. Um, uh, you know, that's our only job. And, and, you know, so we want you to go away picturing this void has been penetrated and it's the right thing to do and it's a natural thing to do. It's what our forebears did. We think of the United States of America, we think of Germany, we think of Australia, we think of Pakistan as if they've been there forever. Yeah. They're, they're, they've only been there for 100 or 200 years old. They're babies. And when they didn't exist, you know, if you mentioned, I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced <clears throat> that if you were in Shanghai or in London or in Paris in 1750, when there was about 15 countries, and you said in 200 years' time there's going to be 185 countries, they would have said you were at absolutely barking mad there's there's no chance right and so we're here to say there is going to be a global planet authority humanity is going to move um humanity is intelligent we're alive and we're connected and it's the operational answer of our time and it will uphold our greatest intergenerational legacy and it's going to take you half a minute on your phone. I'm just conscious of time. So one question I, I really like to ask, although it's a, a little bit less uh, theoretical, uh, okay. because I think the, the work that you're doing already and spreading this message is amazing. Um, and it's very hard for me to now unsee the potential. Right. That's, what, that's what I was really hoping. <laughs> yeah. And, ho- and I really hope that you, you keep, uh, keep going with it and, and keep, uh, making people see this next level um, on a more kind of uh, inspirational day-to-day level. Yeah. Uh, what do you personally do on, you know, whether you're at home or at the office to be environmentally friendly, just on a, how can you, how can we contribute, I guess, you know, before the GPA comes into play? Yeah. That's, 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 it is very important, isn't it? Uh, that all the efforts um uh, continue you know i don't want anyone to go away from this going oh we're you know we're lost you know what I mean? unless we get global governance we're doomed which i actually think is the case but let's <laughs> but, but uh, it's well let me put it a different way the optimal way to protect the biosphere has got to be uh, global protection um 
So we should strive every day. And I love the quote by Marley, Professor Marley of Oxford University. And what he has done with his team is he has computed the natural planetary metabolism, which I think means how much does the earth create naturally in trees and animals and and stuff naturally every year. He's computed that. It's extraordinary thought. Yeah. And then he's looked at human industrial metabolism. And effectively, it's come up to match. And if you imagine a glass of water sitting next to a glass of full-fat Coke and you're slopping in more full-fat Coke, that's going to spill over into the pure glass of water. So you end up with um, metabolic waste, atmospheric change, landfill, biodiversity loss, topsoil loss, an altered nitrogen cycle, degradation of the ozone layer because it's just slopping in. So we've got to up in our everyday lives, contribute to upping natural planetary metabolism, more trees, more parks, and reducing aggregate human industrial metabolism. Mm. Be lighter in everything you do. Think about everything you buy. I mean, I have here on my desk a calculator, you know, which probably costs six or seven pounds. But we all now need to think how many chemical compounds are actually in that. I would guess probably three or 400, which are... Uh, your average television set, by the way, has, I think, I can't remember it now, but I think it's 20,000 different chemical compounds, which are just never going to be separated out, you know, in order to beat the circular economy. So you've got to really keep striving every single day. How, what is that? Where did that come from? You know, all of the things that you're hearing, circular economy, being light, recycling, um, that's, that's the way to think about it, I think. We've got to reduce the full-fat Coke and we've got to up the water so that they never spill over. Unfortunately, Daniel, um, where the, the degradation of the biosphere thus far has been done, I believe, by about a billion upper-middle-class consumers. That's two generations of 150 million Americans, two generations of 150 million Europeans, and then another 400 million of upper middle class. What's just behind us is another three or four billion people who are just becoming lower middle class for the first time. And they are saying, we want, we don't want everything you've got, but we want what we believe is a better life. And that is a clean bathroom, energy security, food security, water security, maybe one flight, um, some cleaning products. Um, and uh, then you go into healthcare, protein. So unfortunately, this massive wave is, is, about, to, is about to hit. Um, and, um, and it's morally repugnant of someone in my position to argue that they can't have it because I've been enjoying the fruits of capitalist consumerism for 54 years. So for them to have a third of what I've got, you know, is, um, is, is their right. Do you think they will vote for GPA? 100%. They will be the, they will be the vote of GPA. 
And, and, and the reason for that is, is always the three factors overlapping and combining in one point of time. It's knowledge, in our case, that we run a biosphere and will do forevermore. We're currently doing a very bad job. It's connectivity, which is now pretty much a certain given. And then lastly, it's observation by the mass middle class. And that's exactly what happened in South Africa, in China in 1911, in um, Russia in, in, in 1880, 1890, 1900, in France through the 1700s, and it's just what's about to happen. So whilst they will be part of the degrading force, they're also going to be the huge mass of, of observers. Hmm. And they'll say, actually, in order to protect my home, protect my family, have a better future, we've got to have a global protectorate so that we can progress and we can have the life that we want to have. And for the people who want to get involved, I mean, so what, what can, um, first of all, where can we find out more about GPA? Thank you, globalplanetauthority.com. And um, we have an Instagram page. Um, you'll find us there as well. Um, you know, please register for our newsletter. Please buy the book. It's on Amazon. Funnily enough, it's called Global Planet Authority. Easy enough. Easy enough. And, um, and, and spread the idea. Internalize it. Um, get ready for it. It, it. It's going to happen. And if, if people have any questions or they want to learn more, what's the sure. best way there's, to do there's, oh, there's a contact us page on the website for sure. Yeah, I, I imagine people who want to get involved will have a lot of questions. It's a yeah. really new idea. And when, when you have new ideas, there's a million. Of course. Everyone has their own things that they need to understand in order to get Absolutely. to the point where they feel comfortable. So globalplanetauthority.com is the place to go. And, and then, of course, there's the book, amazon.com, uh, where you can get Global Planet Authority. Well, Angus, thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting. Thanks, uh, And yeah, thank you for helping me see beyond the uh, borders of, of, our current, of our current governing ways. Thank you for such great questions. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating. And also, please subscribe, whether on your podcast app or on YouTube. And that way you can be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.